Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. What a week it's been in Australian politics. What a week it's been. Did you say at the end of Thursday, if you missed, you know, I was actually listening to the Parliament all all day Thursday. I found it gripping, but then I've got an interest in uh, esoteric subjects like parliamentary procedure, and I'm really interested in the bills that were going through the Parliament. But if you noticed, on Thursday, what was happening was two or three things at the same time. Firstly, the government didn't want to lose on the floor of the Parliament. Secondly, the opposition did want the government to lose on the floor of the Parliament. Thirdly, there were some opportunistic politics around issues like Nauru, getting the kids off Nauru, We'll assess the opportunism or otherwise of that in just a moment. And there were the religious freedom matters that went through the Parliament also during the week and the efforts of the Christian community to uh, prevent something happening that would have been quite contrary to the idea that Christian schools and maybe even churches should be free to teach their ethos, the values, the tenets of their religion. All of those things going on at the same time with a bit of national security thrown in as well. And the week started, can you believe it? Interestingly enough, the week started with people um, organised by the MICA organisation. Now, that's a, a group, as you know, a Christian group that's interested in social justice and relieving poverty around the world, whose head is Tim Costello. It started with a whole bunch of MICA people wandering around for um, pre-arranged interviews and discussions and conversations with their local members and senators. What a week. Tim Costello, what a week indeed. What a week. Well, uh, for a start, MICA that I head up, and MICA Australia had two days of training and worship on Saturday and Sunday, and then uh, Christians entered uh, the Parliament House uh, and visited 90 politicians saying... Um, aid levels at its lowest level ever, highest under Bob Menzies, always bipartisan, needs to be bipartisan, again needs to be lifted from the, we're in the, the bottom half of the OECD 19th and mm. we received wonderful response from both Labor, Liberal and the Greens. It was like, yes, when did we become this mean? How did this happen? Mm. Um, I was telling some of the politicians I was in Stockholm two weeks ago for one of our staff, Tony Renato, an Australian boy who won the alternative Nobel Prize. And uh, speaking to Swedish politicians, they were apologising to me that their aid levels had sunk from 1% of gross national income to 0.8%. <laughs> Ashamed of this, I uh, had to tell them ours... Uh, uh, has sunk to 0.23% and they were shocked. But you're a rich nation and how yeah. can you how can you do this? So that's where the week started for me. Um, and you got a pretty you, good response, I gather, from those MPs? Senators. Yes, indeed. And I don't mind saying, because he uh, posted the picture, uh, Tony Abbott said, yep, you're right, we have to start rebuilding aid. Uh, good response from coalition members who had uh, been part of the... Dramatic cuts at first Abbott hockey budget slashed $11 billion over four years from the aid program, which really did cost thousands of lives and smashed hope of uh, women and girls and some of the poorest. Of course, aid is easy to do because you don't need a, to cut. You don't need a piece of legislation. You just use a piece of regulation and uh, use aid budget like the ATM. 
and um, oh, and at the same time, you drive a little bit of politics at home that uh, characterises people on the basis of being, you know, not us, other than, uh, and that that leads us to the refugee question. So, were you surprised when? Or you wouldn't have been surprised, of course. You're never surprised by anything. Uh, What was the play on Nauru, and do you think it was successful? Look, the play on Nauru was much more modest than it's been reported. It was it's being reported as uh, abolishing um, um, offshore detention and uh, stopping turnbacks. It was never that. It was simply a bill to say, and it's already happening without uh, legislation in many cases, that... There needs to be a way for doctors, in this case two doctors, to assess uh, the health of people on Manus and Nauru. There's already been 700 brought here because of medical health issues. The minister has 24 hours to override it. If he doesn't, um, the panel of doctors say this person is desperately in need of medical help here. And there can be an appeal if the minister doesn't override in 24 hours. So it was very limited. It was just saying, actually, formalise what we have been quietly doing, but often you have to rush to court and get an order because, um, you know, it's not always easy to say this person's suicidal or depressed or needs medical treatment. Just formalise it with a panel of doctors. That's what it's about. The government, as you know, characterised this as the end of... Of, uh, offshore processing and stopping turnbacks. We all know that's not the case. Um, filibustered, uh, then when it uh, passed the Senate uh, and came back to the House, closed down the House, uh, said, no, we, we, we fear we'll lose on the floor of the House. That's not a good look. It wouldn't bring the government down. It wasn't a no-confidence motion. Mm-hmm. All it would be was a symbolic loss. But they didn't want the look of that. And um, then what happened after that was um, Shorten, uh, you know, said, you know, you've, you've closed the house down, but we'll still give you your encryption bill in the Senate. Uh, so people trying to follow it are, are forgiven for not understanding the messiness of that those last days. Yeah, and in the middle of all of that, then the Sex Discrimination Act and the Religious Freedom Matter, which we'll come to in a moment. Scott Morrison's press conference on Thursday was extraordinary. Clearly, this is a foretaste of what we're going to see during the election campaign, the issues being the Australian national security, the borders, and the Australian national safety, support for things like the encryption bills, and this phrase, which sort of, took the collective breath away. You've got to look past Canberra. This is about Australia's safety. And Bill Shorten is a clear and present threat to Australia's safety because he's so obsessed with politics that he cannot see the national interest. What did you make of words like that being used? Oh, look, I I thought that was uh, unacceptable. Look, I accept that politically the strong card for the coalition and their way behind at the moment is border security and they have certainly stopped the boats and they deserve full credit for that. Um, I might have some qualms about the lack of visibility on stopping boats and turnbacks, but they have stopped them. That... Uh, stopping of the boats meant that when we transferred people to America or even if we transferred them to New Zealand or we brought them for medical treatment if they needed here to Australia, the boats aren't uh, starting up again. We've already got the American experience where they've been transferred, uh, some from Nauru and Manus. The boats didn't start. So 
Unfortunately, that language of our Prime Minister was really saying, we know our strong point is border security and uh, uh, we'll ramp up the fear, and this was overblown. It was just a medical transfer issue for what they're actually already doing. I give Scott Morrison full credit that he's got 129 kids off Nauru. It's down to 10, and um, that's since he's been Prime Minister. So there really is bipartisan agreement that we can be humane without the boat starting again. Well, there is that. He was saying that Labor, and some commentators have picked up on this, that Labor is softening its offshore detention policy by the way it uh, supported this case during the week. What, what's your view on that? Have you spoken to them about that? Uh, yeah, I have. Look, there will be, to be fair, I think a push by the Labor left at their uh, conference later uh, on the weekend, next early next week, to, mm-hmm. to say uh, we don't like offshore detention, we, we don't like the turnbacks. That won't win. Um, the, the clear view of the majority in Labor is no, it is working. So whatever you think of that, uh, I don't think you can accuse Shorten of actually trying to soften it. I think he was simply uh, formalising what the government knows, namely... There's a, tur- there's a turning of the tide of compassion with Australians saying we don't want kids locked up and mm. if there's medical uh, problems, we want them to be treated. Could you, um, would you agree that maybe it was the wrong time to try to achieve uh, that? Why? Because the government has just lost its majority on the floor of the parliament. Two, it was the wrong, it was the last week. Three, there was this, this mythology that built up that because no government has ever lost a vote on the floor uh, in 90 years on a legislation matter, that this was somehow going to cause chaos for the government. And I can, certainly my sources indicate that you're right, the, the Prime Minister was absolutely determined that whatever else happened, he was not going to lose a vote this week. Last week. Oh, look, the, there was politics on both sides, Stephen. Fa- fancy that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, the politics are on the Labor side was he is weakened and we can not get a no-confidence motion that brings him down, but we can get something through to show he's weakened. Yeah. Look, the politics on the Conservative side, if I was you know, the Prime Minister, I would have come out and said... We're already doing this. This formalises it. Take the politics out of it. The Australian people know that, you know, it's not one random act of compassion that will start all the boats again. The boats would have started when we send people off to America, if you know, because there's a pathway now. Um, Turn back is working. I would have taken the politics out on both sides, so it disappointed me from both sides at that level. Tim Costello is our guest, and he's, of course, the head of MICA, uh, an organisation of Australians concerned with justice issues from a Christian perspective around the world, uh, also a, a roving ambassador for World Vision, and a former mayor of St Kilda, amongst other things. So you're no stranger to politics, and you're, a, you're from a political family. So I, I, I did such a good job as mayor of St Kilda. I'm the last mayor ever. They abolished the council, uh, Stephen. Outstanding. Uh, a lot of Australians will applaud you for that. It was council. Amalgamations, I hasten to add. No, 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 I get that. Yeah, that's a good thing. Now, listen, uh, then in the middle of all of this, well, firstly, there's the encryption bill. So that now becomes another sort of Damocles hanging over the head of the government. And we get to the end of the week without that being resolved. And there's a bit of a stitch up. But in the middle of all of this, then I want to talk about the religious freedom bill. We ended without a vote being taken. Once again, the government used its numbers to prevent um, a vote from actually being taken so that it wouldn't lose. And an incandescent 
display from the Labor Party, um, mm. saying, how dare you, this is just about children being discriminated against. I mean, it's a bit more than that, actually, isn't it? Yeah. So just just on the encryption bill, that actually was passed by Labor in the end. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. That, that at least one thing got done, Stephen. Yeah, with a promise <laughs> that they'll look at it again next year. So one thing yeah, got that's done. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cormans promised to take on board the Labor amendments, whether they do or not. It's it's through. It's legislated. Look, I, I'm I'm very distressed about um, this uh, religious freedom bill. Both sides say two things, and I believe both sides that we we do not want to discriminate against the gay students, and Scott Morrison was very clear saying that, and Labor, of course, have been clear. Mm-hmm. And we want religious freedom, so church schools can teach what they actually believe. Both both say that's their position. I personally would have loved the Ruddock Review on Religious Freedom, which I would think is a very considered piece of work to show us the way through uh, to be released. It hasn't been released. Mm. I find it distressing that we're debating this when there is a considered piece of work that we can't see. Again, it's as if the politics are overtaking us. And um, look, if you uh, are asking me privately, I don't want to see discrimination against gay kids in in schools. No, and and neither does any right-thinking Australian in the schools. Don't say they don't want to discriminate either. So what's the problem there? Exactly, and I and I want uh, religious freedom to not mean that uh, Christian schools can't still teach what they believe the Bible, or in the case of the Quran, if it's a Muslim school, teaches. Yeah. That 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 is what we've got. We've got two two rights that we actually want to preserve. I I cannot believe there is not a way through this. Look, uh, I, I'm conservative on the sense that. Um, I am worried without a religious freedom bill that the normalising of, let's call it, uh, gender identity um, starts happening. So, you know, a little boy's told, try wearing a dress today, try and work out, you know, what you are. Um, I don't want to discriminate against any children, but neither do I want it necessarily mainstreamed. And and I think Christian parents and parents who aren't even Christians but might have difficulties with that and uh, where they send their kids to school, if they're Christian or even Muslim schools, you know, have probably have concerns about that. So I think protecting religious freedom and at the same time not discriminating against gay students is eminently doable and I think probably the Ruddock report has in it the way forward. I hope so and I there is one version of events that I picked up from sources that says it might come out tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's World Human Rights Day I believe mm. and, um, and there may be some release on it tomorrow or Certainly there'll be discussion of it and you just never know how that could play out. But look, here's the thing. I thought that Labor at some stage during the debate started throwing away the idea that it would protect religious freedom in some way. There there was a point there, and even when they talk about whether schools can employ people who are of the faith and not just of the faith, not just supportive of the faith, but who pass a faith test determined by the faith itself. Now, the faith may say... Okay, we want you to live by the precepts of the Bible, and if there if there are certain things going on in your life, then that's prima facie evidence you're not living by those precepts, and you can't be a role model of the life that we want to pass on to our students. Labor, it looks like, is prepared to walk away from that, and I'm flabbergasted. It's been decades of promises on their part that they wouldn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I think um, we are seeing politics being played. So from a Labor point of view, the gay marriage plebiscite was, what, 62% was it or something like that of the population? Yep. So I a large number. A large number, whatever it was. So I think they're saying, you know, the majority of Australians have declared where they are on this and we'll... If we want to be in government, we'll stick with the majority. Um, I think um, this is why it's very important for the uh, coalition to release the Ruddock report because people forget that um, religious freedom, which in, in secular minds now is only the freedom to discriminate against gays. Yeah. That's how it's, it's being framed. Yes. Religious freedoms were the foundation of human rights and given tomorrow's human rights day it was the freedom of conscience to believe against often a state church and a king who was the head of a church and where baptists and i'm a baptist went to jail john bunyan was writing pilgrim's progress in bedford jail as a baptist because he couldn't worship god according to his conscience human rights stands on the foundations of religious freedom of conscience so for me personally this issue is very very important to settle yes it is well thank you for all the time you've given us this year and thanks for the work that you do and it's it's marvelous speaking with you i hope you have a great christmas tim costello and a great christmas to your listeners thanks Stephen. tim costello who has just become a grandfather in the last few days, as a matter of fact, there you are. A little scoopette for open house. Well, so all of those issues wrapped up at the end of the parliament. Um, interesting to note that Tony Burke, now he's the manager of opposition business in the lower house, so a front bench Labor MP. He told Sky News today that every national conference, Labor national conference, has been a determination that we don't adopt any policy that would start the drownings again. So as Tim was just predicting, the Labor left will put it up, do away with offshore detentions and uh, offshore processing rather, and um, and the right will over, overcome it, I suppose. Well, if things go according to the way the factions are uh, lining up the numbers for the Labor Party conference, but you can see the government looking to squeeze Labor on that issue. It almost doesn't matter, I think, politically in terms of the messaging, what happens at the Labor conference. Scott Morrison has now got you know, a line that is going to ride all the way to the election. It was too much, though, to say that Bill Shorten is a clear and present threat. That phrase, which is highly loaded, and the Labor Party attempted to sort of get that downplayed by ridiculing it, saying, you've been reading too many Tom Clancy novels, um, but politics was nasty during the week. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.